you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL podcast is tired of Bill's quarterback battle stories. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Lindsey Rhodes, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys and, and girls? And Lindsey? And Lindsey? Wo- oh, you're a woman. Yes. No, I'm – well – I was just saying that that was the and girls was the and boys and Lindsay. I don't want to be. You're calling me out as sexist. I feel like Mm. right at the top of the show. A lot of excitement (laughs) in the room. I mean, uh, Andrew Siciliano downstairs giving us a little grief that Lindsay keeps being on, but she comes with it. You're not even you're not even on air today on NFL Network. You just came. I am once again off and here just for you, which I, I think makes my life kind of sad. (laughs) No. <laughs> like at a certain point, the people that are listening and watching are going to be like, could you just plan something on your off days? It's <laughs> like, I feel bad for you. Well, listen, I don't look at it that way. I think you see Thanks. the opportunity of a not just a career, but a lifetime to be involved <laughs> with our show. Like, I got to get in that studio. I got to get a taste of that magic. It's a ship just taken off. Well, jump for, on for a, a rocket. You mean? Yeah, whatever it a is. Spaceship. You could go spaceship. All right, so yeah, this is the Around the NFL podcast, and we have a, a great show with Linz with us today. Um, a lot to get to. A lot to. I got a lot of papers in front of me right now. It's almost a little bit intimidating. We have, uh, you know, we have the Hall of Fame induction this weekend. Mark Sessler was uh, in Canton, and now he's in Cleveland at that old uh, Indian burial ground in Berea. So we're going to touch base with Sessler, talk about the big weekend and what he's doing out there in Ohio. Uh, we have the uh, Position Battle Awards. Isn't that exciting? I'm excited for that. Uh, that's, I think, what the drop was coming from. We might talk a little bills, but we'll talk. We'll get out some awards of how these battles are going That so That one is right in Greg's wheelhouse because last night, late Sunday night, email lands in my Gmail, and it's Greg has all these different ideas. He was on fire. I was like, wow, this is going to be a Rosenthal show. Well, we ta- we're now taping early in the morning, so it's like we can't just show up and, and hope TD put it together for it. But, you know, we know what happens then. What would happen? Trouble. I don't know. Just bad things. All right. Unnecessary. <laughs> at all. TD, you don't deserve that. You're doing a great job. Uh, and, of course, we're going to get to all the news, including, uh, and, you know, the reason Wes hasn't really said much yet, he's still processing the information about a certain wide receiver mm. um, in Charlotte or formerly of Charlotte now playing in Baltimore that will no longer be with us too much longer. Look at him. Look, he's so I wouldn't say that's okay? why. I wouldn't say that's why I haven't said anything. I was waiting for an opening for you know. We could have talked to your party Saturday. Well, we can. Yeah. My uh, well, Lindsay what? wasn't invited. Thanks, Wes. <laughs> Sorry. I my son Jack, sweet, handsome Jack Carson Hansis, uh, turning one. So we had a little party. I'm sure my invitation just got lost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now, as I know that, Lindsay, you have a, a young son yourself. I do. Named Jax, I believe. Jax. Which is nice. I don't <laughs> remember getting invited to your party. He's not a year Well, old, but right? really year none old? of my coworkers were invited. Oh. So it wasn't like a, I invited everyone but you. 
okay. type of situation. I, Dan considers us more like friends than coworkers. And Lindsay, we're getting there. <laughs> all right, let's cut. That's another shot. Better, yeah. No, let's cut to the chase because Wes keeps on, you know, opening up all this, uh, you know, dirty laundry, t- dumping out the contents. I just wanted to talk about a party. We barely I, got in. I feel like, yeah, barely, yeah. <laughs> we're, Lindsay, we're working towards something that okay. would be we're building up to, to that friendship. But I'm not there yet. Chris and Greg, you know, we work very closely together. All right. Not just a handsome boy, but a very active boy. I mean, that that kid, he goes for the cake. He starts crawling around like a madman. I mean, he's okay. something. I will say the other, the only other problem I had with the party was Greg brought his adorable daughter, Ellis, who is two and a half? Three. Three, three, and, a half, three yeah. and a half. And she walked away with the party. She stole the party. <laughs> and I thought that was a little bit like if you're going to bring a cute little girl, like realize who the party's for and who should be the star. Just I'm leaving it there. <laughs> she can't help it. She's just, she seems to be um, a little precocious. Well, he, he can go to her wedding someday mm. and get her back. Ooh, I like that. A little revenge. So, yeah, so that's what's going on. Lindsay, uh, Jack turns two next year. Maybe we could work this out. <laughs> We've um, got a whole year to build up to that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, so that's everything that's cooking. And uh, before we move on, we will check behind the glass. Every time I look behind the glass, there's more and more people back there. That's how you know it's getting real. Uh, TD, how you doing, buddy? What is going on? I got a whole squad with me. You know how that meme goes, squad goes? This is my squad right here. <laughs> We're old. Not I'm unfamiliar with I thought meme. maybe Lindsay had a chance to no. know it, but no. Dad's not that old. He's the only one I know is Kermit the Ghost Frog. squad doesn't connect with me. I'm sorry. Squad goes? All right. Cool. <laughs> you didn't even oh. One more thing about my party. I did buy some <laughs> cornhole boards. And, um, That's the way to go. They had American flags on them. Uh, <laughs> I spent 10 extra dollars. <laughs> to get the ones that had the American flag on them. And uh, Greg, who lives on the throne of ease, as we know, uh, with the Patriots, teammates with Wes. And again, Greg <laughs> aligns himself in throne of ease scenarios. Wes is like the Michael Jordan of Cornhole. So you pretty much just show up if you're his teammate. It's great. So, Greg, Patriots fan, Cornhole with Wes as a teammate. Like, what, what else is like a throne of ease stuff? It's like the in, in rap where there's like – the rapper and then the guy on the stage with the rapper that waves around the white towels. Like, I don't what? even socialize at parties anymore. I just bring my cute daughter and she kind of does it all <laughs> for me. It is pretty good. So good job with that, Greg. You got the whole thing figured out. Thanks, buddy. This game called Life. All right, let's do some news. Clip that for your Emmy reel. What? What? <laughs> you knew that was is, coming. Is it going to get old? No, that's that drop. No, that's not great. yet. It's no, classic. Okay. I mean, I like to think it's not old yet. Do you feel like it's been played out now? No. <laughs> no, I don't think we're quite there yet. Does Casablanca get old? <laughs> All right. So we'll start We'll start with some somber news. Uh, Hall of Famer Frank Gifford has died at the age of 84. Uh, a statement was released on Sunday. He died suddenly at his Connecticut home of natural causes. Uh, of course, Frank Gifford is maybe the ultimate giant, a versatile star, both offensive def- and defense uh, during his time. Uh, he went on to a sec- successful second career. Uh, as a broadcaster for ABC, uh, he was on that Monday Night Football team with Howard Cosell, of course. So Frank Gifford, dead at the age of 84. And Wes, I thought, um, you know, you're a good guy to write this stuff with your knowledge of the history. You wrote a nice retrospective piece on Gifford. I, you can't. On on one hand, you can probably count the transcendent talents who were in the College Football Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, the Sports Broadcasting Hall of Fame, and were the subject of the best book in football literature history, a fan's mm. notes. I mean, and Frank Gifford really, what I wish I would have paid more attention to in the article, spanned the old NFL when it was behind boxing, baseball, college football, golf. It was an afterthought. And then by the by the time he started broadcasting, NFL is already number one on the list. So his career spans that. By the time he's done broadcasting, NFL leaves every other sport in the dust. He is, I, I think one of the most transcendent figures in American sports history. Well, he's one of the people that brought the NFL to the limelight. That 50s Giants team, and he was the star of it. He was the Derek Jeter, or the equivalent of Mickey Mantle you know, of his day, helped popularize the sport. You got Vince Lombardi as the offensive coordinator, Tom Landry as the defensive coordinator. You're winning lots of games. Here's a great-looking guy who you're putting on the cover of all the newspapers that played – that made the Pro Bowl at three positions, which is a – mind-boggling thing as it is and he he's a guy I think if you read about the NFL in that time he was the guy 
Like if you said he's one of the most transcendent guys in sports, I think of him, if you're just ranking influential guys in NFL history, he, he would have to be in like the 20 names that you mentioned, right? Yeah. 10, 20 names that you mentioned. Frank Gifford is one of those names. Absolutely. And it is amazing that if you, like if you were a kid growing up in the 80s, uh, like myself and, and Greg and not Wes. Or <laughs> Lindsay. I grew up in the 80s. <laughs> what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, but you were more like a child of the early 70s. I <laughs> wasn't, even born the, wasn't even born in the early 70s. My point being is that I only knew uh, Frank Gifford as, as really the, uh, the announcer for Monday Night Football and Kathy Lee's husband. Right. But there was this whole other guy the really. human love machine. As she very publicly referred to him quite wow. often. I got to talk yeah. to my wife about renaming myself. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> we need a new nickname for you. Yeah, another new nickname. But, yeah, it is, it's amazing that he was able to have two totally separate careers that were huge. And, yeah, iconic figure. Frank Gifford, dead at the age of 84. Kind of crazy that uh, that you mentioned his versatility as a player. But as a broadcaster, he did play-by-play mm. and was also the analyst. Mm. It's, That's a totally different skill set. That says a lot to me about how seriously he took his uh, second career of broadcasting. He's not just a broadcaster either. He's the broadcaster on the number one show on TV. Exactly. And not everybody can do it either, Lindsay. I mean, I think of Joe Namath as another guy who tried to be a broadcaster. Didn't work. Gifford obviously had the goods and did the work. Yeah. And and, and it's one thing to, to sit there as the analyst and, and that, that – it takes the skill set to be a very good analyst to know which stories and anecdotes fit where and how to get in and out and talk for the right amount of time, especially when you're calling a game. So you don't want to talk. You want to get out before the next play starts so the play-by-play guy can hop in. But but to be the play-by-play person, it's obviously you need to have knowledge of the game, but you also need to kind of know your role and do the traffic copying, getting in and out of break. Dan, as you well know, oh yeah, as the host of this fine program, yeah, uh, that's I, a skill I, set in I of itself. I put Dan and Gifford on the same level of that's a like very similar idol. Very yeah. similar, like definitely here and <laughs> here. Uh, can I also point out? I yes. feel like it's poetic to some degree that a Hall of Famer passes away while the fraternity is gathered. Yeah, like uh, Art Donovan did in 2013. Hmm. This is not same a small thing. point. Your point about the play-by-play play thing. I just wanted to say real quick. He was known as one of the classiest guys, and to him. He and Howard Cosell, when I'm doing the Monday Night Football thing for Love You Blue, Cosell is doing the color and Gifford is doing the play-by-play. The former player had, you know, enough humility to take on that role. It's a different job. All right, moving on. um, Steve Smith, Wes, your boy for years and years and years, is making the 2015 season his last. Uh, The Ravens wide receiver announced Monday he will retire at the end of the season. Uh, he said uh, to reporters, I feel like this is the best place. If this is going to be the end, this will be the place to end it. Uh, drafted in the third round in the 2001 draft by the Panthers. Uh, Smith has been no less than one of the most dynamic receivers and personalities of his era. And, of course, uh, you know, a guy that has been able to keep his career afloat and thriving well into his 30s, which is not easy to do. Uh, Wes, your thoughts about Steve Smith and the end? He's a no-doubt Hall of Famer in my mind, which is obscured a little bit by the fact he played in Charlotte for almost his entire career and had one season ruined by a broken leg in his prime, had two more seasons sabotaged by NFL worst quarterback play. In fact, some of the worst quarterback play we've ever seen. And he's still going to be in the top 12 or 13 when he finishes his career in receiving yards. Number one all-time in receiving yards per game, well ahead of Michael Irvin and Jerry Rice, who are number two and three in postseason yards per game. From 2005 to 2008, the best receiver in the NFL. Woo! This guy's – he's – not, not, not a lot of people agree with you on that. A lot of people would think T.O. in that time or Randy Moss. They should check the cer- numbers. Certainly wasn't his, the best time of Randy Moss' career. And I, I agree with you, and now you're in a position where you can start banging this drum for the next five years that he's a Hall of Famer. But I don't think everyone's going to agree with you on that. Chase Stewart from Football Perspective has done a lot of studies on this. Yards per team passing attempt. The Panthers were always a run-heavy team. It shows to Steve Smith's dominance that number one and number two on the, in modern history, yards per team passing attempt, Steve Smith 2005, Steve Smith 2008. He has the top two seasons. Maybe he didn't have the cachet in terms of intimidation of some of those greats like a Moss or an Owens, but as a competitor, the guy was peerless. And, and I, there was a great quote uh, from uh, someone on the Ravens coaching side. I think it was Harbaugh that said, if you weren't prepared – against Steve Smith, you're going to get humiliated because that's he was so ferocious on the field. Well, he wasn't the mismatch 
that T.O. Right. was yeah. or that Randy Moss was. I mean, you're looking at a much smaller wide receiver here. So the fact that he's even mentioned in the same sentence, that he is able to win those position battles. Uh, well, you always hear pound for pound. He wasn't pound for pound the toughest receiver in the league. He was the toughest receiver in the league at five foot nine or whatever he was. And still is. And still is. For one and more year. I, you know, Ike Taylor and Rondé Barber, who have 370 career NFL starts, both have said Steve Smith is the hardest receiver they've ever covered. Sounds sets up a scenario here where that'll be a part of the storyline, especially if the Ravens are one of the better teams in the league, which a lot of people think they are. It's like win one for Steve. Put him in the hole. Why mention it now? It's a weird. It's a little weird timing. I don't know. Why get a little. Uh, you know, you get a little uh, Listen, everybody, farewell tour. Everybody loves a little adulation, and that's what he's going to get all year, people saying that he's been great, and I don't think there's anything wrong well, with I that. Well, I think NFL players are creatures of routine, and I think you want to have that mindset going into mm-hmm. a season like this is my last. I'll yeah. get it out of the way. We're going to just miss, like, the sound bites. I'm, I don't know if you've had any interaction with him just as yeah. a – Was he bananas or what? Well, you know, I, I kind of thought that he was going to be a little intimidating because he's got that edge on the field that I sort of thought he was going to come in and be maybe a little bit difficult. And he was just as nice as could be. And um, I, I felt like I learned a lot about his personality uh, when he came in. He came in to do Total Access a few years ago, and he was promoting a charity that, that he has. Yeah. And I'm going to – I don't know the name of the charity. But it's essentially like he and people from his church go and wash the feet of homeless people, and it's a humility exercise. And it's not the kind of thing that you would associate with Steve Smith if you've only watched him – on the field and all the trash talking and stuff. Mm. Uh, his persona, he was telling us where to go eat and like Compton or, you know, some of the local places uh, that he still comes back to and frequents. I remember interviewing him. Maybe it was last year he, when he came to the to the studio in the middle of the interview, his whole family walks into the little office and his daughter sits on his lap and he like continues the interview. So it's like this is not the Steve Smith that Aqib Tlaib dealt with, dealt with mm. during his career. I but. have an anecdote on this. I – I wrote last year an article on him, and I summarized all the fights he's been in where he's basically left the other guy in shambles. <laughs> Three fights in his <laughs> NFL career, and he got a hold of Panthers PR, and they called me and told me to take it down. He didn't want that image of him out there. Mm. Oh, interesting. He yep. also released a tweet today, sometimes it's better to walk away when you hear that voice talking to you than to wait and they push you out the door. Greg, we can, we can distill that down to heed the call. Mm, heed the call. That's heed my motto call. for 2015. Weird. Heed the call. By the way, Wes, any empty nest syndrome, famously Steve Smith has the honeymoon suite in your stable of boys. Is this an Odell Beckham connection? Is he going to move right in to Steve's spot, or do you retire this? I think you have to vacate that for a while. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. All right, Steve Smith, one year to go. All right, moving on. Uh, Nick Foles has signed a contract extension uh, with – the St. Louis Rams, this is something that was reported by Ian earlier in the summer uh, that something was cooking, and I think we all were a little surprised that it could be something that happens, but they struck a two-year deal. Nick Foles now has some security in St. Louis to go with the starting job. Greg, uh, were you surprised that this uh, happened? I mean, because we haven't seen much since from Nick Foles uh, since last year's injury. Well, on the face of it, it seems insane. Why would you be signing up for more years of Nick Foles with Frank Signetti, a guy who's never been the offensive coordinator in a, in a shaky Frank group? Signetti, private the, eye. It just sounds bizarre. But then when when I haven't, we haven't even seen all the details, and I think there's a reason for that. There's fourteen million dollars guaranteed, and I suspect almost all of that, if not all of it, will just be this year's salary. So if you're Nick Foles, you're at the last year of your rookie contract, he's going to get paid like a starting quarterback, which he deserves to be. And I suspect there's almost no commitment after that. So if he plays well, the Rams have him for a couple more years at a pretty low rate. If he plays terribly, I, I suspect they'll easily be able to cut him, and he gets to be paid this year in, in a fair manner instead of like a backup. Do you want your starting quarterback going into the year without a deal pass this year? I mean, That's mentally, it's, it's Nick like Foles, I do. you're going to tell everybody, <laughs> everyone who will listen, that you believe in Nick Foles, that Nick Foles is the guy that can get it done this year. You want Nick Foles to believe that you believe that, mm. and you're going to let him go into the year with essentially a lame duck status. 
that's the way I look at this. I think this is just kind of a – and it's two years. It's not like they it's, extended him for four or five or something like that. They're just giving him a little bit of security, saying, we believe in you, get it done, and then we'll we'll come back to the table listen, and we'll it, discuss some more. I agree. I think it's going to be very team-friendly. If anything, the only person who could come out bad in this is Foles if he happened to have a Pro Bowl type of season, which would be bizarre. I think Lindsey made a good point. I, I think it's more important to f- identify the right quarterback than it is to – get a mediocre guy under contract. But like you said, it's only two years. And like Greg said, it could only be one year. I mean, they can cut ties after this year if they want to. But I think I've read uh, Don Banks from SI talk to Jeff Fisher, and what comes across is they really like Foles' height. It's weird. (laughs) Because after Sam Bradford got hurt, they just thought, all these backups we have can't see our wide receivers when they're open. They just wanted a tall guy. Isn't that funny? They do have a a lot of uh, smaller wide receivers. Yeah. That doesn't get me excited about the St. Louis offensive uh, <laughs> minds in, in uh, place right now that we just want the Or wide guy. receivers. Yeah, that's true. He was due $1.5 million in the final year of his deal. That's $14 million in guaranteed coming his way, 24 and a half over two years. So pretty nice money for a guy that doesn't have much to show for in his career He's so far. He's earned it more than Kevin Cobb did. If it well, helps, if it helps him at all this season, it's an investment that is certainly worth taking also, or making. If you're the St. Louis Rams, I mean, think of how much you're investing. And if it makes him feel better, I got the Rams going to the playoffs. Go Foles! That is bold. <laughs> That's weird. All right, uh, moving on. So we have Ovante David has a new deal as well. This comes a week after the Lions uh, got DeAndre Levy under contract with a big note, new deal. And now, according to Rand Getlin, our new guy for NFL Media, the Bucks have agreed to terms with David on a five-year deal uh, worth $50.25 million with $25.5 million guarantee that money from Rap Sheet. Uh, that includes some escalators as well. Uh, Levante David now getting paid like a superstar uh, linebacker. And Chris Wessling, does he deserve that type of money? Absolutely. He Thomas Davis and DeAndre Levy are the are the trio of four three linebackers who should be pro bowlers every year. They're that good. DeAndre Levy as a rookie uh had twenty tackles for loss, which was the highest total by a rookie since the second highest since the year two thousand. And then as a second year player in two thousand thirteen, he had five interceptions, mm-hmm. seven sacks, hundred and forty five tackles. He just stuffed the box score every game. I think that's one of the best four three linebacker seasons we've seen in a while. Another guy under the radar. A lot of people probably know him more because he, he that week one against the Jets where he pushed Geno Smith out of bounds and it cost the Bucks a game. You don't get a lot of pub when you're on a bad team playing. Well, you in Tampa. know more for that. Well, I feel like that was maybe yeah. most high profile play in terms of what the public knows about him, but this guy's been doing it for several years now. Pay your linebacker month in the NFL. Well, huh? yeah. It's very rare Houston, that you see Wagner, Levy, this guy. It's very rare that you see three contracts come that are so directly related to each other. I mean, Bobby Wagner's contract led to Levy and this contract, if one of if none of them got done, if if Wagner hadn't started it, I don't know if any of them get done, and then all three of them get done together because it's basically around the same the same level. You bring up an interesting point though about the guys who haven't been to the Pro Bowl that play linebacker that are clearly among the best linebackers in the league. It, it almost feels like we've come to a point in the NFL's evolution where you need to separate them, where it's like somehow you've got a Preach. pass rusher catalog uh, category. And then you've got these sideline-to-sideline tacklers. We are on board with skill set. Sideline-to-sideline has to be a different category than edge rusher. Call it the Rhodes rule. I would love that, yes. Let's (laughs) let's definitely name an NFL rule after me. I like it. I'm on board for that being it. Give PFF a little love, too, by the way. I always make fun of pro football focus. Well, here or there, like the things we disagree with. But I think they've raised awareness for some of these guys. They were early on the the Levy and Levante David – bandwagon and and look the nfl teams agree they're paying him 10 million dollars absolutely year. three cheers for pff Woo! that that's big words from west remember the awkward showdown you had with uh, the writers <laughs> that was weird or you just nah, that guy was very nice i didn't think it was awkward at all you basically assassinated him on the air well look you can't have gary barnage or whatever the guy's name was as your top rated tight end uh, gary barnage getting some big actually it wasn't barnage it was, it was yeah hard. ben hartsock is oh, your right. number one rated tight end because he's a good blocker give me a break all right <laughs> let's move on to the new york giants jason pierre paul we all know what happened to uh, poor JPP on the 4th of July lost a finger, jacked up his hand uh, thanks to some firework shenanigans. Uh, New York Giants coach Tom Coughlin said Saturday that he's finally uh, spoke with his star defensive end. They had a, quote, good conversation on Friday. Uh, but then, again, the news that Pierre Paul is not going to report to the Giants and sign that franchise tag until he's healthy enough to get on the field. 
Uh, Coughlin had this to say, he's looking forward to coming. He's anxious to be here, but he's not going to come until he feels like he's ready to play. Clearly, you don't have to read between the lines. Giants management is frustrated with how JPP has handled all of this, and uh, they don't know when they're going to get him back. Are we going to see J- – Lindsay, are we going to see JPP on the field this year? This is a weird situation. Ugh, this year. I don't know. Not anytime soon. Mm. And then when he does get back on the field, it, is he – going to be able to do what he did before yeah, I thought I mean and he's sort of for a while he's missing too right because yeah. he has that fractured thumb also so we don't even really know how messed up the hand is beyond right. the finger and the thumb that could be even worse well John John Mara keeps saying the same line he said it on Monday again when he spoke that he doesn't know how many fingers JPP has Seems which sounds flip. like he's almost yeah. making a joke about it but I think he means it no, he's sending. I don't and, think and we know how point, many fingers he has. At that point, he was sending him a message. I think, right? Because that was before JPP really had talked to he, anybody he, in the organization, and he's saying, "Look, we don't even we don't even know because we haven't seen him because this guy won't let us in the room. I mean, he won't return our phone calls." I pointed this uh, story out as something we'd talk about, just because it seemed crazy to me that Coughlin didn't speak to him until Friday, yeah. and that they have no idea when he's going to show back up, and that Tom Coughlin texted him. Almost immediately after it happened, and JPP didn't get back to him. That doesn't seem like the kind of coach that you blow off a text from. And And then you're going to come back and you're going to be welcomed back into the organization. Tom Coughlin seems to me, and he can say everything's fine, but he just doesn't seem like, I mean, if you're five minutes early for a meeting, you're late if it's Tom Coughlin. I'll say it now. This guy doesn't text you back for a couple of weeks. If, I'm not gonna be happy. If this continues, I would not be shocked if this relationship falls apart entirely. Mm-hmm. If the communication doesn't build back up and he never plays again for the Giants, Steve Steve Tish, who's the Giants co-owner, said he, you know, quoted uh, the Daily News saying he's very frustrating because Pierre Paul won't reach out to him. Said that we have the New York Giants have the best doctors in the country, if not the world, and we want to help you, and yet you you insist on being in Florida. There's a serious amount of frustration building up, and I get it. And look, we've made quite an investment in you. Yeah. And this wasn't like you got in a car accident, something was completely out of your control, and you know, you're understandably upset about how this will impact your life moving forward and need some time to yourself. You made bad choices, and those will have ramifications for our football mm, team. Right. Like, we're reaching out to you to show you a little empathy. You need to give us something back. In fairness, did you see those pictures of his the bandage yes. and everything? on it? Like, that would be tough to text with. I'm just trying to imagine. <laughs> no, you didn't. It's going to be tough. Well, They've I mean, got the voice a little too soon, Greg. That is way too soon. By about a month or so. <laughs> Maybe six weeks, and we can make the texting hand joke. Okay. Sorry. We'll revisit that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lindsay, you're bringing the fire today. Fire in flannel. That is like the nickname. If you had, remember those uh, posters, the the cheesy '90s posters where they would be in like, oh yeah, poses? yeah. Like yeah. Warren Moon would be like, "Full moon howling." <laughs> fire and flannel. Fire and see, flannel. Like in the middle of a desert. Wait, would, would I be going like that? Arms arms <laughs> yeah. wide, like Christ-like pose. Come to Hashtag me. fire and flannel. <laughs> All right, uh, we, we have football. By the way, football was played uh, for the first time. This season, the Hall of, Fa- Hall of Fame game, our own Mark Sessler, who, again, the sizzler, who's been out of the mix on the show for the uh, past few shows, will be back. We're going to talk to him a little bit later. But there was a game, the Minnesota Vikings and Pittsburgh Steelers, a really exciting, action-packed game. You never forget, 14-3, Vikings win. Uh, I'm just kidding. It was not exciting. Uh, no Big Ben, no AP. Uh, Antonio, no Le'Veon. Yeah, nothing, nothing to get excited about. But football's football, and it did gangbusters ratings. I think I saw a tweet that it had better ratings than the Stanley Cup Finals. So football's Is that back. true? Yeah, and people are wow. excited. I can't wait to tell That's my husband crazy. that because he was making fun of me that I was excited for this. He was like, it doesn't matter. I enjoyed it. And I said, look, for at least one Bridget series, it matters this week because you're going to see some starters. <laughs> wait, what? Wes, that will I watched pass. Bridget Jones' diary instead of this football. What? That's ridiculous. It wasn't my choice. You know, do you, Were you Wes, on a date? Do you that want, should cost you your job. Do you want to keep that fan base that you alluded to on the last show? Look, yeah. Bridget Jones' diary, He's by the way. He's trying to expand it. Forgive me an aside here. Right. Mark. Darcy, the guy in that show, should have never gone with Bridget D- Jones, who's just oh, a smart. Humiliating. He, she messes up everything. She has nothing going for her, and that whole show is just ridiculous. This would have been a great topic for the <laughs> podcast in 1997 or whenever. <laughs> That's a this terrible is, movie. Was yeah, we agree this with you wrong. on that? How did this? How did you even come to see that movie? Like, uh, I was given a choice of a few, and that was. Wait, did you watch it with with a lady friend? With a lady? 
Ah, lady. Okay. Was ah, it, was lady? It, was it ah. the one that's in the mix right now? There are a few in the mix. Wait a second. Wait. Whoa. Hey, oh. What? Do they listen to the podcast? Yeah, you got to be careful here. Be careful with your words. Wait. I haven't told them that I do a podcast. Okay, that's smart. <laughs> but they could be doing it. Clearly, these are deep relationships that you're they building. They could figure it out. All right, is this the moment of the I would show? Hope so. I mean, you scream podcaster. All right, flawed. I like us that, that we're talking about all, all, all this. Well, the and, highlights. And Mike, <laughs> Mike Zimmer and Mike Tomlin are glaring down on Disapprovingly us. Disapprovingly in the monitor. But I, we should still keep talking about it. Well, I, there's nothing really to report. Okay. All right. Well, she got you to it watch Bridget Jones's diary. We know Instead that of football. We know that you can be pretty. Well, look, I'm not going to watch the Hall of Fame game no matter what. You could be pretty unbendable. Why? Sometimes. There was For you one to go series along with that. Teddy got, Bridgewater. I you can watch it on if Game Pass comes up sometime soon, you can watch it on that. Hey, I'll give you a little uh I'll give you a little uh takeaway from it. Your boy Ryan Shazier all over the field again. He's Mr. Preseason. He looked great. <laughs> that was my only takeaway. Uh, you know. Who well, give around. me something? Is there a lady in the lead right now for your heart? Uh, I don't even think my heart's into it yet. Let's let's see wow. what happens here. I mean, let's let's take it slow. There are a few. How, and we'll how see many dates one. in are we? How many dates deep? With this girl too. Okay. All right. I'll give you that. Hmm. Interesting. What does she think about Dre Archer? <laughs> she has no idea who Dre Archer hmm. is. Okay. West playing the field. I like it. He's in the game. All right. That's good. A lot, of, lot there. So that game happened, uh, and more football is to come. Uh, the biggest news really to come out of the game, uh, the place kicker for the Steelers, Sean Sweesom, tore his ACL. So his season's over. So, And by the way, I know we joke around kickers. Who cares? Uh, not easy to kick in Heinz Field. Extra points are further back. They gotta, now they got to find a kicker. That's not a, that's not a small Small thing. He's been one of the most accurate kickers in the NFL the last couple of years, which is surprising. He had a pretty bad start to the career. You're right. That used to be kind of the graveyard for kickers. You know, a tough place. Probably find wait. one where they found Sean Sweezum for free. Just yeah. wait till somebody drafts him in your fantasy league. Mm-hmm. Oh, good point. Mm-hmm. Better be in the Someone last that's round not paying attention. Um, all right. That's what's happening in the news. Hey, let's talk about some position battles. In fact, let's call it the position battle awards. Let's get some awards. Ow! Go for it. So why don't we go around the table here and uh, each throw out uh, a position battle in training camp right now. You know, for the sake of you know, let's have some fun here. Uh, give it a title, what, what, the, what the award is. And we'll start with fiery and flannel, Lindsey Rhodes. We're going to start with me. Now, excuse me. We're going to start <laughs> with. I would love to lead us off. No, listen, we're not going to do it, though. <laughs> okay. Listen, we're, listen, the now transition's coming. I now I used to be able to throw to whoever I wanted to, and it was fun. Now I'm stru- I'm very structured. TD's glaring at me. He's disapproving of my abilities <laughs> as a host. We're gonna start with Wes. Get us going, baby. Most- well, as Matt Money Smith alluded to in yes. the opening drop, the most life draining quarterback battle in the NFL, the Bills, who just mm. every time you hear anything about them, you don't think they can get any worse, but they do. Mm. I think um, one of the beat writers used the phrase mostly putrid to describe their performance in the, in the scrimmage on Saturday. Matt Castle, basically they told him to hand off every time. E.J. Manuel won by default because after all three quarterbacks had gone against the first, second, and third team defenses, he finally found the end zone. Mm. Tyrod Taylor made a few good passes but missed too many throws. Uh, so basically all three continued to be underwhelming, subpar, Humanistic robot, awful <laughs> quarterbacks, whatever. I have two tweets from uh, the session today. One from Matthew Fairburn. EJ Manuel's first pass of the two minute drill against the third team defense was intercepted by undrafted rookie Wes Miller. <laughs> and from Tyler Dunn, Manuel bobbled a shotgun snap and threw it at Woods' feet on a quick out. Bad day for him, good day for Castle. Castle did get some good news. He will start the preseason opener, which Woo-hoo! makes sense. He's the better. Go for it. Give him the first crack. Yeah. What's concerning to me is that every day that you check in with a beat writer there on Twitter, every day a different quarterback has had a good day and an awful day. It's, yeah. There's no continuity there. Well, part of, the biggest part of the problem, and I've been watching this one pretty closely, is they're going up against Mario Williams and Marcel Darius and that defensive line. And the oh, by the way, the Bills' offensive line could stink. Like it might be a really poor offensive line. You got Cordy Glenn. You know, you would think he's solid. Other than that, they're getting overwhelmed, and they're definitely not quarterbacks that are going to be able to overcome that. So even though 
they're not going to go up against the Bills every week. They are going to go up against the Jets and the Dolphins and, and have some troubles. How does Rex Ryan put himself back in this position? It's the exact same it's thing. The same, it's Groundhog Day in his NFL career. And he said it himself. I don't know if it's true, but when he got hired, he said, this is my last chance and I'm going to make sure I make this work. Well, you just put yourself in the same situation that sabotaged your first shot at this. With the team that is in, quote, quarterback purgatory, according to its general manager, Doug Whaley, who went on local radio last week and essentially mm. said, like, we're probably not getting a franchise quarterback anytime soon because we're going to be too good to draft them that high. Hey, by the way, Doug, don't sure. assume you're going to win eight games or nine games again. Y- you might be back at the top of the draft. I think the Bills personally will be good, but it's the NFL. Only about three teams can assume they're going to win ten games. S- After that, anyone could be a four or five win team. That defense can give them – I was going to say, you see his, number of you, wins. Maybe the GM shouldn't say that, but you see his point. Like, I they're guess. probably going to will – that defense could will them to at least six wins, and then you're out of the top five in the draft. Hey, draft – how about uh, – look at the top quarterbacks in the league. Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. There's plenty of guys that aren't All right, fair. in the top five picks. You know, it's not that easy to find a quarterback, Mr. Throne of Did you see why – I've been a quarterback purgatory since 70. <laughs> Did you read why Rex didn't even sign Michael Vick? I know. What's that? Rex said he considered signing Michael Vick, but yes. his hands are too small. <laughs> Which seems on the list of problems with the Bills quarterbacks pretty slight compared to E.J. Emanuel, Matt Castle, and Tyrod Taylor. Small hands might get you the job in Buffalo. Lindsay, the next award. Let's go for least dramatic quarterback battle. Mm. And I think that uh, that obviously goes to the Eagles. Sam Bradford, Mark Sanchez, who here thought this was going to be a quarterback battle coming into the year because they sort of said that, and then as soon as – Training camp started. They were like, hey, guess what? Sam Bradford's our guy. For audio list. All the three first of us reps, raised boom. their hands. I did not because I have a sandwich on it, and Wes and Mark are going to be buying them for me. Look, he could go down with another ACL injury any minute. Well, that's fair. That's that was mean. part of the reason why I took the, the, the proposition. Because you thought he might tear his ACL again? I think Sam Bradford, there's no – I mean, anything can happen between now and then as far as injuries go, and he's not a guy who inspires confidence there. Well, he's inspired confidence in the Eagles coaching staff. And maybe they just have to say it, but he hasn't missed, by the way, a single rep of training camp. Forget miss a day. He's been taking all the snaps. He's been out there for every rep. And they said, you know, Chip Kelly's talking him up that he picks up our reads. He's accurate. I don't know if they're just saying that to build him up, but whatever it is, they're making it clear. Like Lindsay said, it's not really a battle. This thing's over. Sorry, Mark. You, you can, well, it's you can over have... before it started. They never really battled. Well, you they have... said it was going to be a battle, and then before they even took their first reps, they were like, Bradford, winner! Eagles West. Nice try, Sanchez, with that move. Well, Sanchez, <laughs> inviting everyone it's his move. Here. He's going to use I it. Know. It is his move. And he is a perfect backup quarterback for that team, and he knows the offense, and he performed decent last year. How about a little drama, though? We talked about this on la- our last show. But uh, Tim Tebow, you know, if the quarterback room, is he going to make the team? There's a little drama there. There is. You're right. A little bit well, of drama. Little Bar- bit. Barkley or Tebow, right? One of them's got to go. There's Barkley gone. You're a USC um, alum, right, Lindsay? I am. So you have very close personal ties to Matt Barkley. Probably go to the same wine mixers in Santa Monica. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, wine mixers. That's and? what us Trojans do. And you like him? I, I like him very much. You think he's a good Matt Barkley's a good guy. Right. Matt Barkley's a very nice guy. I'm reading between the lines. <laughs> good so, guy means bad guy, maybe. No, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. Not much drama. Matt Barkley's in, a good one in Philadelphia. Maybe there will be some drama in Cleveland. I'm going to give the Cleveland Battle Award. I give that transition a B plus. B. Okay. I'm going to give it the Metaphysical Battle Award because Johnny Manziel is not battling Josh McCown, who is you know a, a person, flesh and blood, out there with him every day. He's battling something in the future. He's batting November Josh McCown. It's very high concept. This is a, <laughs> you're painting quite a picture very here. ethereal. Because he's not going to start week one, but it's ultimately like, like a Sandler science comedy. fiction team. I think Manziel is battling. Uh, ultimately, he's battling himself, and he's battling the version of Josh McCown that's going to be out there for the three and seven Browns in November. And so what Johnny Manziel How is dare doing, you. doing right now Josh is McCown. he's building up a resume, and he's trying to show to the bosses, hey, guys, I'm much better this year. When this season goes poorly, which it most likely will, because your number one receiver is Taylor Gabriel, let's go to me. I, I'm going to show you something in August, like he did at the scrimmage on Friday night, where you know people were pretty impressed with what Manziel did, and, and try to show that he's in the mix later in the season. The ongoing disrespect for Josh McCown in this studio <laughs> is just ridiculous. Albert, Albert Breer, who was just in Berea, 
he came away convinced that the Browns think Josh Mc, they're getting the 2013 Josh McCown. Yeah, but the Browns been 109 thinking, passer rating. They've been not the 2014 about quarterbacks for years, dude. Not the 2014 Josh McCown who was stuck behind the worst offensive line in the NFL. This is his seventh team. I'm not the only one who you know doesn't have faith in Josh McCown. Six other teams had no. 99 percent of football cognoscenti don't have faith in. Josh but let's just take a step back and look at this logically that Josh McCown has never had sustained success in the NFL. He bombed out in his most pre- recent season, and now he goes to quarterback hell. The purgatory is in Buffalo. Quarterback hell is Kurt gonna, Warner, this Rich is Gannon, Doug Flutie, Jeff Garcia. None of that happened in Cleveland. I'm just saying these things have – quarterbacks have been known to have late career epiphanies. Jeff Garcia did happen in Cleveland. Ask Browns fans about that. Well, different type of. I take issue with your crowning Taylor Gabriel as their number one. No, that was just that was essentially a shot at the Browns. (laughs) Their lack of a number one. By the way, Mark, again, we're going to get him on the phone and talk to him all about Browns camp. And by the way, you haven't lived until Mark Sessler is live tweeting Browns practice on your tweet deck. (laughs) And I I am enjoying. I feel like my whole life has been building toward this happening. It was going on this morning. So I can't wait to talk to Ma- Mark. Mayock was really talking Manziel up or his calm feet and saying they've strung together three practices. All I'm saying is there's no reason to ignore the fact that he apparently is building a little bit. All right. Now, love. speaking of the Browns, I will throw out the most depressing quarterback battle. It's happening down in Houston. Mm-hmm. The site of hard knocks. By the way, starting Ooh. tomorrow, Tuesday, the old Zeuser uh, is uh, <laughs> continuing the hard knocks recaps for around the NFL. Uh, so check that out. We'll be talking about some hard knocks. That's not the point, but it's good to get a plug in, even if it's for myself. Uh, right. the most I mean, oh, by the way, hard knocks is, will also be airing. That's kind of a secondary I, I was, piece. I loved that how he made that about re- himself recap. all of a sudden. I, I like the joy slash shock on Lindsay's face <laughs> when you referred to yourself as the old Zeuser. Oh, have nice you, did look. you know that? He signed an email to me as the old Zeuser. <laughs> really? That's, yes. Well, that's my name. <laughs> that cap it out, too, didn't Just I? throwing it in my face. <laughs> hey, you had your chance. Give me a nickname. The most depressing battle is Brian Hoyer versus Ryan Mallett because we're getting reports out there that neither guy is really pulled ahead. I guess Hoyer is seen as the favorite, but Ryan Mallett was the guy that I think everybody in Houston, they wanted him to somehow be this steal that they get from the Patriots. It's not looking like it's going to work out. Mallett can't throw to a receiver. He has no accuracy. So Hoyer will probably be the week one starter, you would think. But at the same time, this is a, a legitimate competition still between two middling C to C minus quarterbacks and without Arian Foster there. And we talked about this, Wes, they go from, you know, playoff sleeper type team to if they get atrocious quarterback play with Alfred Blue behind uh, the quarterback, this could be a terrible offense. I'm glad you brought up Arian Foster because I thought about this over the weekend. That should change the quarterback battle. When they had Arian Foster and they can be a run heavy team and hide Brian Hoyer, it made sense to go with Brian Hoyer. Now you have no running game. Like Greg said, they averaged 3.1 yards per per carry, all the other running backs in Houston. Without a running game, why don't you just see what you have in Mallet, who actually has the arm to pull off a passing attack? Hmm. You can't structure this game around play-action fakes now. When did you think of this? Uh, Saturday the, while I was walking down the beach. through Bridget Jones' diary? <laughs> or three quarters? Because your mind had to have been wandering. Saturday I was walking down the beach uh, before I got a ride to Dan to Dan's party. Sorry, Lynn. Walking down the beach, you know, <laughs> thinking about the Houston thinking about Houston and, and Ryan Mallett. That that almost made sense, your point on uh, Mallett, Hoyer. Thank you. Change, it almost made change, sense. Change uh, their thinking. But I don't know. Either way, you just – you need to find someone who could – Do you remember what happened to off. Brian Hoyer late last year with the Browns when they didn't have a running attack? Wasn't fun to watch. The bloom came off the rose. It is an interesting question, though, that you bring up that Hoyer is sort of established as an average quarterback in this league. He's had a shot. We know what he is capable of doing, although not in the best of environments. Uh, Cleveland Springs. Is it worth just giving Mallet a shot? I think we'll see say, both like, of them. Let's roll the dice and see, and then we can always go back to Hoyer. I don't. I don't know. We, I think we, we heard this thing might end quickly, and it, now it doesn't seem like it's going to end. All right, so there it is. Those are, you have another one, Greg? Did you want to throw something else out there? Well, there were – you know, there's lots of other battles. Those were just quarterbacks. Uh, oh, of course. I mean, I would throw out the uh, the In Belichick uh, We Trust Award to the uh, Patriots mm-hmm. running backs. If any other team was potentially rolling out Traveris Cadet and James White 
and Dion Lewis. Dion Lewis as potential week one starters would be making fun of them and talking about what a you know disaster this is. And yet, Patriots like, oh, it'll be fine. Yeah, they'll figure it. Out. They'll figure it out with Jimmy. Yeah, at least we'll have Tom Brady for sixteen games. Legarrette Blunt no got a sprain. Oh, oh, let's just count on Legarrette Blunt when he gets back from his knee surgery and his suspension. Oh, he'll be fine. Jonas Gray. He's a reliable guy. Blunt. <laughs> That's a good point, though. I mean, give me a break. Jonas, why some running back? Are we sleeping on Jonas Gray a little bit? It's not like yes. he ever did anything to uh, yeah. not earn any more benefit of the doubt after a 200-yard four touchdown game. He just stopped getting played. Yeah, I mean, he could be he could be a guy. There's a lot of injuries affecting these running backs. The Falcons running backs, neither one of them are healthy right now. Darren McFadden hasn't been able to play for the Cowboys. We're just getting going. We got four more weeks. How exciting is this? Football's really back. You know, we you go through the offseason, you're trying to come up with things to talk about. That is no longer the case. Jibber-jabber, jibber-jabber, jibber-jabber. Football. <laughs> okay. It's, this podcast has sounded much like that. <laughs> That's true. Lindsay, are you regretting like yet your decision? Jibber-jabber, jibber-jabber. <laughs> at what point in the show, we're at about the 44-minute mark, did you start regretting wow. coming in? <laughs> uh, you know, How about I, when you I were would s- do it again. You were singing right. Sarah McLaughlin before the show. Oh, yeah. Was I was. Did we get a little bit of that? No. <laughs> I, actually, I wanted to cue it up for when we were talking about Wes's stable of boys losing its greatest tenant, and then you would drop a little a cappella. So we're going to throw it to you. Here you yeah, go. Yeah, what song was it again that we were doing? I, I will remember you. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay Just pretend we're like. Are you going like, to talk over? I'm laying nope. your music no, we bed. Won't. No, I'm laying the music bed. Oh, I thought it was a lovely rendition. Pretend the screen is showing a bunch of adopted dogs very sickly. Like <laughs> all right, here we go. Acapella. No, I feel like Lindsay you need Rose. to continue talking about something. Sad, okay, okay. And then I'll all right, just all right. okay, play it behind you speak softly. softly. Wes, I mean, okay. listen, Steve Smith, you've always appreciated his talents. <laughs> and he's not leaving life. He's still going to be around. It's just not going to be stable. I think it's better to go out on top than to regret. Okay, there you go. Stay too long. Wes, you, you don't care about him. That's where I get out. <laughs> that was great. That was really good. I liked good. how you guys acted it out, too. Yeah. You, you looked like this is a very serious I conversation. I was going to drop some serious I'm knowledge concerned. on you. I had nothing. <laughs> I feel like you guys had more pressure on you in that little bit than I did. No pressure Having on the Having a fake conversation RG3. is hard. Uh, all right, let's go. Let's like move a, on. Like a background actor. That was good, Lindsay. Thank it you. It says, like, banana rutabaga or something like that so that it looks like <laughs> This isn't a shot at Dan, but you definitely have the best singing group of singing voice. Singing voice? Or singing voice, yeah, of, of all of you them. You were lying well, so that's much a sad you couldn't thing. say it. Uh, but Dan does not. Yeah, he was no. singing No offense, today. Dan. But so I no. will remember you. <laughs> will you remember me? Don't let your past. I forgot the lyric. Don't let your past pass you by. Wrote that, Dylan. It's like, Sarah, do you want to take another pass at that lyric? No, don't let your past pass you by. That's what I want. Get those dogs on the screen. All right, here we go. Let's get Mark Sessler. Speaking of dogs and the dog pound, Mark Sessler, our um, our great around the NFL writer. He was at Canton this weekend. Now he is at an Indian burial ground known as uh, Brown's Camp, uh, where he is. Uh, where are we? We're at the the Indian burial ground known as Brown's Camp, fellas. Berea. Is Mark there? I am. You know, TD put me Wait, on. Wait, let me see that. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's what you were waiting for. I. I, I, I listen. Sorry. <laughs> sense that we were waiting for something. Yeah, I was. But I didn't know what. Hey, Mark. You put me on the line about five <laughs> minutes ago, and the train is completely off the track. <laughs> um, I hope that is not a reference to my singing, because that was well, good stuff. That was that was high shelf. Uh, Dan, actually, I can vouch for Dan that if you get a few uh, greyhounds in Dan, he can sing. Yeah, thank mm. you, Mark. I, I think you got to put him in the right form. I've had he some moments sing. in karaoke. Where I've gotten that compliments. Is true. A very talented group. <laughs> well, as we established much earlier in the podcast, I'm not invited to those types of gatherings. Mm, so I, I not yet. I couldn't stay. <laughs> not yet. You're on a probation. Mark, so you were in Canton this weekend. Uh, why don't we start there and then we'll get to what's going on at Brown's Camp. Um, uh, we'll start in Canton. So tell us a little bit about the Hall of Fame experience. Uh, I know you've been there before, but this is uh, now your second go around. Tell us about it. 
You know, I this time around, I found it to be much more enjoyable. I'm not sure what it was. I just think that uh, it's a weekend where there's a lot of football players around, and they're not currently athletes where they're trying to keep a lid on whatever's going on with them and their team. They're very willing to talk. And, I mean, you know, for lack of a better word, it's sort of just a big celebration. And I thought it was just that the access um, to these guys was great. And the ceremony itself, I had the thought that, uh, you know, it was one of the better ones, and it was, it was fun to cover. I thought that what Sidney Seau did, did a great job, I thought, I mean, under a lot of pressure. And each of them, you know, we got a chance to speak to each of the Hall of Famers the day before they were inducted. And I know that uh, you guys think that I love, like, a, a offensive and defensive coordinators. My oh, new do. thing is GMs, because mm. Bill Polian and Ron Wolf, you could just <laughs> sit and talk to those guys for days on end. They were giving us just great stuff about Bill Parcells passing on Reggie White out of the USFL back in the day. I mean, these guys, you know, you, they just want to sit and talk about the old times. So I, I enjoyed that. I was talking to Charles Haley. Did he leave an impression the day before? Yeah, I mean, I think Haley, every time he opens his mouth, it's going to be something that you pretty much didn't expect and probably doesn't have anything to do with the question that you asked. <laughs> so it was, uh, that, was, that was enjoyable. I think he's, you know, he, he's not the guy he was necessarily back in the Cowboys and 49ers locker room. I mean, he kind of went, I think he came to Canton trying to put that forward and express that. Um, he was by far the most entertaining and unpredictable of the group. And I don't think the speech, the speech showed that a little bit, but kind of the day before just being in the same room with him and the way he was interacting with some of the old Cowboys B writers, I mean, he was completely off the cuff. I thought one of the most powerful moments, and I agree the ceremony was really good this year, was when Charles Haley talked about his mental illness. Like he, he talked about something that's an issue that's, that affects a lot of people. And, and he talked about it very openly, I think in a way that people had no idea from him and it kind of explains a little bit what you heard about Charles Haley and when he was on NFL Network I mean I, I found him fascinating it was a lot of yeah. fun to watch yeah I agree and I think that it you know something that you kind of never know when these guys are playing is the support they're getting at, at some point from like their owners the way he talked about Eddie DeBartolo and Jerry Jones and how Jerry Jones uh, went out of his way to help his daughter when she had leukemia I mean you just you know we have these vague ideas of what Jerry Jones is and some of it's accurate some of it's not and Eddie DeBartolo, you know, all the history with the legal stuff. But behind the scenes, like, I think Charles Haley looked at those guys almost as father figures. That's the way he spoke about them. So tell us about Browns camp. Uh, well, How exciting is it to be there, there, first of all? It, well, I am currently not there. I'm at an airport uh, hotel where there's someone in the hallway vacuuming. very loud, <laughs> very concerning. But um, camp was great. I almost did not get there because there was a massive car accident on the highway and I tried to use Google Maps to get there, and it rerouted me to, like, central Kentucky. So I just made it, <laughs> and uh, it was cool. I thought it was, you know, I haven't obviously not been to a lot of practices, so it was a little surreal. Um, got a chance to talk with Mike Pettin. Yeah, boy. I noticed there was a tweet because you were doing your live tweets at one point. You about Danny Shelton's calves. Yeah, I like Danny that. Danny Shelton is absolutely massive. And at one point you, I, you referred to Pettin as Pet. Well, listen, that's where I'm at with Penn at this point. <laughs> that's, that's what's going on. You know, I sat down with him. I said, what? I, we got to the point I asked him what kind of – he's at a bar. What does he drink? He's, he's a Moscow mule drinker. Mm. Oh, interesting. I, made, I he, made some for my wife over vacation. Very trendy. Well, he said he picked it up about six months ago. He's normally mm. Budweiser, Miller. And he's also – Dan, you and I read a Stephen King book, yes. 112363. 1122. He told yeah. me he read it twice. He's obsessed with the JFK Twice? assassination. That's like 900 pages. I know. He's obsessed yeah. with the JFK assassination. By the way, one thing about Patton, just to – I don't want to stop you, Mark, but in the words of uh, the Ric Flair Macho Man feud in 92 about Miss Elizabeth, he was mine before he was yours. Well, he's mine now. <laughs> so, Dan, Dan, are you just fighting over Patton? Yeah, We're I, I love Patton, Patton too. Does anybody else think it's a rare move to go from Miller Lite and Budweiser to Moscow Mules? Yeah, that's weird. That show, maybe oh, he's a little his, cosmopolitan in Cleveland now. I think his salary probably went up mm. at some point. That, that's a fair point. Did you feel like Jerome Bettis was taking a personal shot at Browns fans, and most particularly you, when he kept saying Ohio is Steelers country, and then the Steelers fans who were there and were there in bigger numbers than I've ever seen any team's fans be there at the Hall of Fame. Responded and basically were taunting you. Yikes. 
Uh, it did feel that way. I tried <laughs> to remove myself from the situation to some degree, but you know, we're up in that press box, and it's a, number one, it's a high school stadium like I've never seen in my life. I mean, basically, it's it is three times as big as the high school stadium I went to, and it was ninety percent terrible towels swinging in the air. And for me, on some level, it was a massive nightmare. Except that Jerome <laughs> Bettis is, how can you not like Bettis? Like, I mean, he, I thought he was a total class act. And, like, they all came out for him. And that fan base, you, you, could, put it, you could have put this in central Russia, and they would have shown up. That's what they do. <laughs> One thought um, on the Hall of Fame ceremony. If listeners out there, if, if like me, you missed the ceremony, Mark did fantastic job. It's really well written. And he captured really all of the poignant moments in his article recapping the entire uh, enshrinement ceremony. So definitely check it out. Wait, hold well, on. Thank can, you. can we back up really quickly? You missed the ceremony too? Oh. Whoa. Whoa it, that, I, well, you had to watch yeah, the Bridget well. Jones's diary <laughs> sequel? I was at Dan's party. Well, You threw a party during the Hall of Fame? You'll party. be invited next year, Lindsay. <laughs> we <laughs> went over this. I'm not really Massive a Hall rip. of Fame dude. I don't know. It's not my bag, but I mean, I... Mark makes it come alive for me here with the rhythm. Yeah, Mark did a great job with it. Wes is really not going to like the Hall of Fame when Eli goes in in about nine years. <laughs> Get ready for that. Eli Barry and Kenton. It's happening. When baby. Odell puts him in the Hall of Fame. No Giants you know, fans Wes, show up. Wes, I think you would like to cover it, though, because uh, there are some, like, hot, like, total hot radioactive hot button deadlines to deal with. That, I that thought was Mark was going to talk about women. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I'm not going down that road. There was this lady in a Bettis jersey. Speaking oh, of which, well, though, Sessler uh, did Instagram and uh, Facebook a picture of cheerleaders from behind, and the caption was, football's back. <laughs> well, you know, I got to be honest. That's one of those things where you're moving at 100 miles a minute. I thought it was a nice photo, mm. and immediately – after the first couple responses came in, I thought, oh, man, <laughs> I wrote the wrong tagline here. Oh, I thought yeah. there was a nod to the SI swimsuit cover with Christy Brinkley. It says, Christy's no, I don't. Back. I'm not nodding. I mean, that's not that wouldn't be my my A game that's... to be coming off the Hall of Fame weekend trying to <laughs> make light of that. It just it sort of had to happen. And I thought afterwards. This could be problematic, but like everything, it just fades into the ether. That's I wanted to comment on that thread and say smart ass. <laughs> well, what I like the most is that I put it on my Facebook page, and our producer, TD, tried to create some sort of rift. You know, I have, like, my family, my parents, Your fan my parents-in-law. Yeah, well, I don't have a fan <laughs> I'm not going down that road. But TD, trying to raise, you know, get, get controversy started with his comment on that photo, did not appreciate that one bit. TD, your thoughts? It was just an interesting sh- shot, man. It's all an interesting angle. I was, you know. Just you wondering. offended wow. his mom. That's yeah. what I took away from wow. him. Hey, man, TD, you know never to go against a mother. That's what your own mother would say to me. No, not Shame like that, but maybe. Yeah. Hey, Mark, next time you need GPS help, try a Waze. Much better than a... Waze is superior. Yeah, it's... and that's a free plug. Pay us next time, Waze. Um, all right, Mark, we got to let you go, but thank you very much for uh, calling in and you know, have a safe journey home. Hopefully you'll – usually you bump into a offensive coordinator in the airport and you have long conversations and trade text messages in the future. Hopefully that happens again. I hope so too. And, uh, guys, I miss you all. I'll see you soon. Miss all you right, too, great. buddy. Bye. Go help with the vacuuming. <laughs> well, he did leave Berea now that I think about it. So you wouldn't be hearing this anymore. But maybe the – the ghouls well, he and did goblins paint from- a flattering <laughs> picture of the hotel he was staying at. No, oh, that could be haunted as well. So there you go. All we, right, uh, we got to go to some HR training for Dan's uh, imitation of TD's. <laughs> what do you mean? I that is, I've heard uh, TD's as mother speak on voicemail. As in the singing department. I've heard TD's mother speak. That's the best I can do. The impression that you tried. That's it for. Today's version of edition of the Around the NFL podcast. Lindsay, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, you know, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's always a it's always a pleasure to have Lindsay on. We'll be back. We have two more shows this week to get to, and then of course next week I'll tease it again. Fantasy week spectacular for the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, also follow us, uh, uh, subscribe on iTunes, and leave comments. All that good stuff. This is Dan Hansis signing off for. Fiery flannel wearing Lindsay Rhodes, the mailman, the boss, TD, and all our friends behind the glass. But Until not Wednesday.
Lindsay is the best. She works with us, and she comes in just for the show. We appreciate her. This is my favorite song. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 